Welcome back, Gray. Hello. Oh, you sound chipper on this lovely British morning. Is it morning? I don't know what it is. <laughs> we're not on Grey Standard Time anymore, my friend. No, we're not on Grey Standard Time, which is a shame. So you are back in the UK. Yeah. It's the middle of July. Is it? Okay. You left the UK at the beginning of June? Uh, yes. <laughs> I arrived back in the UK six weeks to the day from when I left. That's what happened. Is this the longest? No, it's not the longest trip you've taken away, is it? You've, you've, you've done longer than this. Well, I was, tr- I was trying to think about it. It depends a lot on what you mean by a trip. Like, I have done, there have been longer periods of traveling. Mm-hmm. But I think, it, I think in the way that any reasonable person would think about what is a trip versus what is simply being nomadically homeless. Like, there, there's a boundary there. Right. And I think if we're constraining it to trips, this this is the longest trip I think I have ever done. Yeah. I, th- I think I can probably safely say that. There's a couple of things that come close, but I think this is the longest continual thing that is still clearly a trip that I have ever done. I have this coming up, too, actually, in just a few weeks. Oh, yeah? So in I'm going to be in the United States of America for all of August. Huh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, this is, this is something different for me. I have three independent events mm-hmm. that I need to, to work, that I need to do. So I have three things that I have to attend during August. Mm-hmm. And I decided that I would just stay in America for the entire time rather than coming back and going back again. Because I've done that before, right? Where yep. like, you know, you, you've got something one week and you've got a week break and then another thing. And I've done that and it will kill you, right? It's like, terrible. It just destroys you. It's the you. worst. Yep. So I've decided this time to pack up my bags for a month and go. So I'm ending it with a vacation, but the first three weeks are all work-related activities. So I was hoping that you could give me some kind of travel tips, life hacks for an, for an individual who's going to be spending a large period of time away from home. You want life hacks? That's what you want? I don't even know how to do laundry. Like, how would you, you know, like, <laughs> there are all these things. And like meals, do I eat in restaurants the whole time? Like, I don't really know how to, to handle this. The first thing is, is your simple decision to just stay in America. That's, that is the correct decision. Good. Right. That's, that's by far and away the best thing to do. And that, that's why I, my previous trip was so long. It was the exact same situation. Like, I had a bunch of things at inconvenient times from each other that in, like maybe I could have gone back to the UK but it would have been terrible and I would have I would have done something like eight transatlantic flights in six weeks and like nope not happening it's a similar thing right like yeah. for me like a bunch of conferences and then just some work related meetings and activities that are better if exactly. I'm in person rather than exactly in home. yeah yeah so it, I can I totally understand how this can end up happening and then this is also at least i find it becomes a little bit of a um a self-sustaining cycle because once you commit to being in a place for a while then you can start gathering up other things that are useful to do while you're there oh yeah like i'm spending a bunch of time in new york which Mm -hmm. just from a business perspective could be very valuable to me right so like you know there are things i haven't planned out yet but i know it's going to be a a beneficial trip Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, that's that's exactly right. You can start making these things more useful 
then your time would be spent on a plane going back and forth yep. and then dealing with jet lag and all the rest of this. So yeah, it's I think it's a smart move to try to bundle things. This, this is why like the, the summers for me are always big blocks of travel is because of this exact thing. Like I, I find that the flights are very costly uh, in every in every meaning of that word. Yeah. And so decreasing the number of flights and bunching as much together into one big block of travel is much more valuable to do than breaking it up into a bunch of, of little trips. And it's just interesting talking to other people that I know. I think the default human response is if there is time enough to go back home that you should go back home. But I, I really do urge people who travel a bunch to, to think about bunching things together into bigger blocks. Like I, yeah. I, I personally find it much better better to do even if it's inconvenient for a long stretch i totally understand that right because i felt that way and it's why i've done it in the past right like if i have a week or eight days or something where i've where i could be at home then i would do that but like this particular trip it's never more than like four days at a time Mm -hmm. and that's just not tenable right like i would be traveling for 50 percent of those four days so right. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It, it just really just doesn't make sense. I, I don't think anybody will benefit from that, right? Like the, the reason I would go home is because I don't particularly want to spend three weeks away from Adina. Like I, it's just not really a thing that I'm keen on doing. But the time that I would be here, I wouldn't be very great to be around. So like, <laughs> you know. This is the end of the trip is we're taking a vacation together, which I think is a good way to cap it all off, right? Mm-hmm. Like we'll be away for three weeks, but then we'll be back together and going on a holiday, which seems just, I don't know, it seems better than like Mike being a zombie for a day and a half before he gets ready to go again. Because then there are yeah. still these things that are just more frustrating, you know, like, for example, me waking up at 4.30 in the morning to go back to the airport, right? Like just yeah. nobody wants or needs these things in their life. So I'm, <laughs> I think I'm, I mean, I'm going to see how it goes. I might hate this. Right, mm-hmm. but I think that this this seems like the right course of action for this particular set of trips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I can uh, I can definitely see that. All right, so you want you want life hacks? I, re- like, I need real that, usable tips. Want. I need I need takeaways. I need some key takeaways. I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm just trying to think like for lo- okay. So things that matter for lo- okay. We'll start with start with number one. Mm-hmm. Laundry. When I do this kind of trip laundry just becomes a big part of it right? because you can't actually pack six weeks worth of clothing. No. Uh, you, you can't pack a month's worth of clothing. It's just not going to happen. But I, I like to view this. I like to view this as an advantage because once you assume that laundry is going to be part of this process, you can actually pack less oh. than you would for a trip. That's like a week long trip. Mm hmm. Right, because if you think about it, if if you go, if you know, if you know you're going to be doing laundry, you can probably cut down the number of outfits you would take on a, on a week trip by like thirty percent at mm-hmm, least. Mm-hmm. So I just you, I just assume that it's that this is going to happen, and it de- it depends on like what exactly your situation is. But like very very often in America, like if depending on where you are, there just are not convenient laundromats around or like it's such an incredible hassle and you're usually busy so i have yet to meet a hotel that won't do the laundry for you and this is this is one of these places where yes are they going to charge you a fortune to do the laundry of course they are because 
because they've got you, right? It's, they have like a laundry monopoly in this in this little moment. Also, they should because nobody wants to do other people's laundry. Yeah, nobody wants to do other people's laundry, no. <laughs> yeah. People need to be paid handsomely for that task. Yeah, yes, with, yeah, without a doubt. It's like, someone's got to fold your socks, Mike. <laughs> and I find that this is one of these things that if, if you can mentally get on board with the idea that you just accept that, that you're not getting like a deal on your laundry, and of course, if you went to a laundromat, it would cost less. But what you're getting is a bunch of hassle removed from your life yep. and a thing that just happens automatically. i tell you why I wouldn't want to go to a laundromat, Gray. Okay, tell me why. I know I wouldn't know how to use the machine and I don't want to have to deal with not knowing how to use the machine. Well, right, like I would get there, yeah, and I like would be bumbling around and I'd maybe need to ask for help. Like I don't mm-hmm. want to be in the situation where I have a washing machine that I don't know how to use. I know how to use my washing machine, but I was taught how to use our washing machine. No one's going to, like, it's not going to be just an implicit thing that I arrive at the laundromat and they're like, Mr. Hurley, come this way. Let's show you the machine. That's not what's going to happen. So, like, I'm going to stand in front of this washing machine and, I, like, American washing machines are so different, right? Like, they, you put stuff in the top. That's not, I don't even know how to do that. Right, like that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, gravity pulls it down. That's how it works. You hold the clothes over and you let go and gravity pulls them into the washing machine. And then they just pop out the other end. Is that how it works? Is that how it no, then, then just you, like one you pick shoot? them up. You pick uh, them up out of the hole and you put them in the dryer. Yeah, I just, I don't know, man. I just, it's, there's too many variables there. So I, I, I'm scared of the laundromat, honestly. Okay, look, well, I've got some bad news for you. Okay. Because when I say that I've never been at a hotel that, that doesn't do the laundry... Many hotels will just take your laundry away and bring it back to you folded up in a little box, which is like a gift from heaven when you're traveling. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, thank God. It's a thing that I don't have to worry about. But if they don't do that, they will have a little mini laundromat in the hotel. Mm. And so you you may, you when I say doing laundry at a hotel, you may have to functionally use what is a laundromat just in the hotel. But it's very easy, Mike. All you do is you go to to the front desk. Mm -hmm. You ask the nice person at the front desk, to turn a $5 bill into a bunch of quarters and you put the quarters in the machine and it's essentially all automated. Like you, you will have almost no options except to put your clothes in the machine, feed the machine and that's it. You see, the thing is in the hotel, I would be more willing to ask for help and I wouldn't feel so awkward, right? Like if I needed help, I would ask the person at the front desk, but like in the laundromat, I don't know. It just feels, it feels like a more intimidating experience for me. To, to walk into this, you know, room of people doing their laundry. And then I'm like, right. oh, bumbling around in my Britishness. And I drop my top hat and then like, oh, it's, it would be a nightmare. Yeah, but you got you to gotta make that work for you, Mike. You just be like, I'm from a foreign land. We don't, we don't have laundry machines. Please help me. So I should, basically what you're saying is I should walk in there with like a Union Jack waistcoat. Yeah, exactly. Just that's, to what, like that's what you need to do. Tip everybody off straight, yeah. right at the beginning. That's that's that would that would work best for you. But you won't really have to do that because the hotel will just handle it for you. Great. And that's that's the number one thing. And I guess especially especially this summer for me with with the conferences that I was at, mm-hmm. I cannot I cannot tell you what a mental relief it is to just have this one part of the problem just handled. Yeah, it's like great. My bags are lighter, but my clothes will always be clean because. I'll just, every other day, I'll hand the hotel that I'm at a bag with some small amount of laundry, and it will just be returned, and everything will be fine. So that's great. That's really great. That's set. Okay, so next. Two of the three weeks, right, I am going to be working 
Mm-hmm. I'm just working as normal in hotels. Mm-hmm. The third week, I'm uh, staying with Stephen, my co-founder, and I'm going to be working from his office. Mm-hmm. Some people do let me work in their offices with them, um, which is just just really nice. You know, like it's just a good thing to do. So you're office surfing. That's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to be working his in his office because he offered because he's kind. You know, it's a good like a good thing, right? Like you got a friend, you need some time to spend in an office, and he's like, I'll bring mm-hmm. a desk in for you. We'll work together in the office. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are just really good about that sort of stuff. Hmm. Uh, so we're going to do that for the th- for the third week. But for the other two weeks, I need to be working as normal, but I'm living in the hotel. Right. Where do I work? Do I stay in the hotel or do I go to places? <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. It always depends on the hotel. Okay. But one of the things I really like about traveling and being at hotels is exploring a new hotel because oh, mm-hmm. I have yet to find a hotel that doesn't have some kind of nice area to work in, but it's not always, it's not always obvious where this area is. You're saying you spend time in the business center? Is that, is that where you go? You well, go to- <laughs> okay, so, so some places will have business centers, right? And that can be very nice, but very often the business centers are terrible confined areas it's a printer and one computer in a in a closet yeah so that's it's not very nice but almost every hotel has has some kind of area that's like for people having meetings who might be at the hotel and even surprisingly small hotels will have a little mini conference center of some kind mm. and i often find that you can you can either just like find these areas of the hotel which are essentially abandoned and you just use them. <laughs> what are you laughing? At? No, because I've been in those hotels where like you walk down a corridor and there's nothing there. There's nobody there. And it doesn't look like anybody's been there in five years. But there are these huge rooms. Like all of the San Francisco hotels that I've stayed in are like this. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, like there was um, one of the hotels I was at this summer. It's like I was just walking around. Try, essentially trying to do this like, like i'm trying to find a place to work and it's like oh there's a gigantic ballroom in the basement uh and i was just like just go down the stairs all the doors are open like there's, there's this whole place here it's just lit up but there's nobody here there's nobody here all day maybe for not for 10 years you know it's like you just don't know uh but it's 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 surprising how many hotels if you look around have a space to work that is almost certainly better than whatever sad little desk you have mm. in the actual hotel room. Okay. Uh, so, so I have, I have extraordinarily rarely not been able to find some better space in the hotel. And if you can't find any place I've asked at the front desk, like, Oh, are, are there like, is there, is there a meeting room somewhere that I can use if nobody's using it? And, you know, usually if you're nice to the person at the front desk, they're like, Oh yeah, whatever. There's some, there's some space that nobody goes into and it's fine. So do you not look for like cool coffee shops and outside places to work or do you just tend to stay in the hotel? Well, what, uh, what I'm trying to, the reason why I'm discussing the hotel here is I'm, I'm running under the assumption that you, you might be in a place where it's, there's nothing around the hotel, which is useful because like sometimes in America, particularly if you don't have a car, you can be a little bit isolated uh, depending where you're staying. Well, so most of this time, well, I'll be in New York City. Okay, so you'll be in New York City. Yeah. All right. Well, then, then it's a different thing. Like then, then you know, you can try to find 
cool hipster places mm-hmm. to work in. <laughs> I'll make you think that that's what I'm looking for. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, I just assume that you'd go out on the streets uh-huh. and your hipster dar would point you in the correct location to... You were close there. I think like hipster. Hipster would have been better <laughs> as a pun. You, re- you, re- you nearly got it. Nearly got it. I think it was perfectly fine. Uh, but yeah, so like that, that, can totally, that can totally work. Mm-hmm. But I prefer if I can find a guaranteed quiet spot in the hotel to work, I would usually rather do that mm-hmm. because it's just, it's just like a more, it's like a more guaranteed space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's no expectation of you needing to leave because you haven't bought enough lattes, right? Like it's, you yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's just in the back of your mind, like what's the latte counter per hour here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's like, I've, I've gotten a lot of really good work done in, in like weird abandoned places in a, in a hotel. So it's, that's why it's just particularly on my mind. And it's like a life hack, right? That's what that's what you're that's what you're looking for. So when you're in these weird abandoned places, are you also playing thunder sounds, or do you not do that? Depends. Oh, uh, it depends on how likely I think it is that someone's going to walk by. I imagine like some attendant walking past the closed doors of the ballroom, just hears some some person muttering to themselves with these thunder and lightning noises. It's oh, that must be incredible. Yeah, this is this is how haunted hotel rumors start. <laughs> all right i have one last thing one last thing that i need your advice on for this trip right okay food Mm. now i have noticed about myself that if i am away from home for like a long period of time i start to feel a bit sick from eating out all the time yeah yeah so how do you combat this because like you can't i mean at least not in the hotels that i'm staying in i can't prepare myself a meal so mm. what do you what do you do? Do you do you eat out for every meal? I, I'm totally with you on this. You can get kind of travel food sick, yeah. especially in America. Yeah, where, it's the, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, Americans. Like you have <laughs> such amazing food, but it's really bad for your constitution. Yeah, and it it can also be like this food is amazing, but also kind of plastic at the same. <laughs> At the same time, Gray said uh, it, not me. I didn't yeah. say that. That's why, I, like, I didn't. You didn't need to say it. Like, the American can say it, and then it's fine, uh-huh, right? Like, uh-huh. I, I can say that out loud. Um, but it's 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 even like oh, uh, like if I go into IHOP and it's like oh IHOP, you can make me an omelet any time of day. That's great. That's a fantastic standard meal. Uh, but after three of them, it's like mm, these omelets are both delicious, and plasticky like i feel like i have some kind of plastic residue (laughs) building up inside of my body Uh, or or the food can just start to feel a little bit unreal and again or again in america sort of samey like every burger place is sort of the same Mm -hmm. uh so yeah it's like america fantastic for two weeks but it can if you're there longer it's like you need to start planning for this kind of stuff I don't have a lot to tell you about this because it like it depends so much on what you eat. But there's there's two things here. Like the, the first is I will very like on the, this past summer, I very frequently would just try to find a supermarket that was nearby and almost in a way like eat out at the supermarket. Like I'm just going to go to the supermarket, I'm going to buy some things that I can immediately assemble into a meal that I will just eat. Uh, instead of eating out at a restaurant mm-hmm. uh, because it's just sort of like i said the food is sort of t- tiring constantly eating out at a restaurant um but what i also try to look for is 
a, a lot of American hotels are, are sort of family oriented in that they will have like a little fridge or maybe a, a super tiny kitchen area. And, and that can be helpful. So if you know you're going to be in a place for a while, I will very often try to find a hotel that won't just have a, a mini bar, but they'll have here is a, a little refrigerator and maybe just like a like a one pan yeah. electric stovetop. Like it makes a huge difference. I think I, you know, look, you know me, right? Like the places yeah. that I've booked, they're, they're too hipster to have a little kitchenette. Like it's, right, yeah. let's be honest, I'm staying in Brooklyn. For a right. oh, period God, I of time, only, right? I like, only imagine. Yeah. You know, I, I yeah, the kind of hotel that I assume has a like a dog at the front reception desk. Uh, yeah, maybe I, I'm I not interested in the, in the dog, but it's pos- it's it. very possible. Yeah, a dog with glasses. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> and a bow tie. So I may have shot myself in the foot on that one. Well, if you've already made reservations, I can't help you. Of course, I've already made reservations. I leave in like two and a half weeks, Gray. No, we don't all live on the edge like you. Yeah, I love I love to leave everything until the last possible second. I know, <laughs> I know you do. Everybody who knows me is irritated to no end. <laughs> but it's like this is a this is a hangover of standby flying. Is like how late can I leave this decision until I will leave it until the last possible moment. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm sorry that your hipster hotels won't have refrigerators. Yeah, I mean, look, they have all the other amenities that I'm looking for, but. Maybe not. Maybe then. Maybe it has a refrigerator, but I doubt it has a little stovetop or anything. Yeah. Uh, well, I think even with the refrigerator, a thing that that becomes I've noticed becoming more difficult over time is that you used to be able to kind of at least pack stuff in a little refrigerator, even if it was explicitly intended to be a mini bar. But more and more hotels are using those mini bars that are pressure sensitive. So if you try to like pack some stuff in the refrigerator, it registers that you have purchased everything, and you right, and you have like a five hundred dollar bill. Uh, the next morning so it's those 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 refrigerators are super annoying there's one last thing that i'll just mention for long-term travel which people don't often think about but you can have things sent to a hotel in advance of your arrival Mm. (laughs) and what i'm just thinking about your cupboard full of audio equipment Look, I, look. Let's, we don't need to get into the details. <laughs> we can, we can, gl- we can gloss over the details here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But I'm just going to say, for very long travel, it is it is worth thinking about: Are there things that you can have sent to the hotel instead of having to carry it to the hotel, or things that you'll need on on the trip, which are simply easier instead of getting them before you leave and packing them, having them sent to where you're going to go. You just you need to speaking from experience. You need to contact the hotel before you do this and find out whatever their little system is because each hotel will have some squirrely system for how you're supposed to address the mail that they're going to get for you in advance. But this is this is also a hugely helpful thing. And so this summer I was actually very fortunate in that I was uh I was re-upping on some of the clothes that I buy in like packages as we've mentioned before. It's like, "Oh, it's time to get new shirts, so I need four new shirts of the exact same kind. And so I had a bunch of clothes that I was able to just have shipped to the hotel, which were the like new clothes that I was going to wear in bulk so that I didn't have to actually have it shipped to me here in the UK and then like pack it all and travel with it to America. It's like, no, I just, I'm just arriving and this stuff is here. And yes, there may be some other like equipment or other things, who knows, uh, that it's useful to have sent ahead of time. But it's just like... I just want to mention it because it's a thing that people don't 
think about, but it's useful to just have in mind, especially if you're doing a long trip where I feel like it's very easy to overwhelm yourself with packing, just to keep this in mind as a tool that you can send stuff to a hotel in advance and they will have it for you when you arrive. And there may be things that you can do this with instead of having to pack them up and bring them with you. So just keep that in mind. This is something that I'm familiar with because quite frequently um, there will be a call from the front desk for me and I have to go mm-hmm. pick up a package, which is probably something from Levi's that Adina has ordered for me to bring home. <laughs> this is Oh, yes, yes. That's a whole other category of... Things to bring home for somebody else uh-huh. from America. <laughs> yes, because America is full of treasures. It's like, what's the name of the hotel that you're staying in? What's the address? Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, yes, it is, it is not possible to return from America without bringing things back for people unspecified. Yep, I once happened. went down to the front desk, came back upstairs with a box. I opened the box and there was a cooking thermometer in the box. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It is a really good thermometer, though. Well, you know, America, they make good stuff there. Except omelets, right? The omelets are good, but not more than three in a row. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Casper. Most people don't really think about the science behind a mattress, but the Casper mattress was designed by a team of 20 engineers and perfected by a community of nearly half a million sleepers. The Casper team are really just a bunch of engineering nerds digging as far as possible into the science of sleep and the technology that you use to deliver it. They've put their expertise into creating a mattress that combines pressure-relieving supportive memory foam with a breathable open-cell layer for all-night comfort. And don't just take my word for it, Fast Company recently named Casper the most innovative brand of 2017 because of this. Buying a Casper mattress is so easy, it's completely risk-free. They offer free delivery and free returns to the US, Canada, and the UK too, and they ship directly to your door in an impossibly small box. This box is so small, you can get it up your stairs if you live in an apartment building. You open the box up, you get the mattress out, it comes in this like vacuum pack thing which you open up, the mattress breathes to life, and it's ready to sleep on. Casper understand that you actually want to take some time before you make this decision, which is why with Casper, you actually get to sleep on the mattress before because Casper gives you 100 nights to try it out. They understand that you want to spend some time on that mattress before you commit to sleeping on it for the next third of your life. If you don't love it, they will pick it up and refund you everything. Dive deeper into the science behind the perfect mattress and get $50 towards any mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash cortex and using the code cortex at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. We thank Casper for their support of this show and Relay FM. So I have a question for you. Hmm? I feel like over the time that I've known you, over the few years that we've been working together, you've been very influential on me. In a few different areas, you know, like making me think about different projects to start, different ways of thinking about work. Mm. I just want to see if it is possible that I influenced you in any way to start vlogging. No. I'm sorry, Mike. (laughs) Can you just give me one? You know, just throw me a bone, you know? Look, just say yes and then I can edit it in that way. Mike, we have to be we have to be truthful with the listeners. 
do we? And it's like I can like I can hear it. I can hear it in your mic voice. And I feel like I would I would love to give this gift to you. But if I give this gift to you, then like I have to I'd have to like lie about all of the other questions you're going to ask me about vlogging. And so like we have to we have to go into this truthfully. Well, you said there's absolutely zero influence from our discussions about vlogging which pushed you into creating a vlog literally zero so mike if you go if you go back to the cgp gray to youtube channel Mm -hmm. and you look at some of those early videos those early videos are there because they are discards from vlogs that i tried to make right from the start of the channel like, or their test footage for things mm-hmm. that I was mm-hmm. trying out. Mm-hmm. So that vlog that I put up was probably the fifth or sixth serious run that I had done towards vlogging of some kind in the past many years. So I'm sorry, Mike. Well, moving swiftly I- on then. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you do this? Like, I really, I can't understand why you did this. Like, there are so many things. Like, you just put out a video, right? Like, a couple of days before. It was a Uh really big video that you've been working on, I know, for quite a while, which was very good, called Seven Ways to Maximize Misery, that I don't want to talk about because I'll have to think about that video again. And it just (laughs) makes me sad, right? If I (laughs) think about me and that video, I don't want to talk about that one. So we're just going to move swiftly on past that. Moving swiftly along, yeah, that's fine. Extremely swiftly, almost at breakneck speeds. Yeah, that video has made a lot of people uncomfortable. Yep, Yep, that's perfect. Don't want to think about it. Don't want to talk yep, about great. it. Moving I on. haven't uh-huh. thought about it for a while, and now I don't even want to be here anymore. Um, so you'd, you'd like just put it up, and great. it was doing really well. And then you're like, "Oh, surprise! Here is a vlog that I made, which is mm. 16 minutes long, is which it that is long? 15 minutes 34 seconds to be precise." Um, my my That's number one piece of critique for you is that your uh, your time lapse was too long. That okay. is that is my critique for you. Okay. Um, if if I know you didn't ask for it, but that would that would be it. <laughs> I'm interested in your input. So, so I'm just very. I'm really. I was really struggling at the time to try and work out why you did this, mm-hmm. and I still don't think I have a good a good idea for it. Do you have any guesses? You just like to surprise people. I don't know. Like I feel like sometimes you know, just about sixty percent of your overall work is just like a real long con on someone, right? Like just like a. <laughs> <laughs> that there is like you know some some trolling event that you're working towards and like when we get there you know it's like a prestige type thing <laughs> wow that would be a lot of my work that would simply be a lot i wouldn't con. put that past you though right like well, like, like this... my whole youtube career was uh-huh. just a long con for this moment like surprise i'm actually a vlogger i just haven't told anybody <laughs> It's just going to be vlogs from now on, yeah. Yeah, you know, oh yeah, someone upset you like 15 years ago and like you've been working towards the payback, like, and eventually you'll get there. Hmm. Hmm. Wow, that's an interesting perspective. Uh, no, no, Mike, it's not a, it's not a long time. Oh, no, yeah, of course. Although, although I do have to say it was, it was uh, in, a, in a perfect lineup of things in the universe. Uh, I, was, I was planning to post that, that video when I did, you know, a couple of days after the uh, previous one had gone up. But what I absolutely loved is the day before I posted it, some guy on 
the Reddit had a top voted comment where he's like, oh, let me just, I know what kind of videos Gray makes. He makes two kinds of videos. And he like wrote this long explanation of like, this is exactly what Gray does. And we can expect all of his videos <laughs> to look like this. And I was like, tee hee heeing inside Sucka. over that. I was like, you don't know it's coming tomorrow, buddy. <laughs> and it was great because a lot of people remembered that comment. The, you know, when the vlog went out, they're like, hey, didn't this guy have a top voted comment about he knows exactly what's going to happen? Uh, so I, 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 you know, you know, I think the listeners of the show know that, uh, the expectation is that you should not have expectations as, as you put it once, Mike. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this doing a vlog certainly, certainly fits into that category of an expectation breaker. It was one of the many things that, that you do, like sometimes you'll do something and then I start getting texts from people. Oh, I'm sorry, Mike. And like people, they just want to know you're okay, right? Like if you go on one of your particularly interesting uh, Twitter excursions for an evening, hmm. you know, like people are like, is he all right? I'm like, I think so, yeah. <laughs> so this was one of those. I like the idea that people don't message me about the video. People message you about the video. <laughs> it's more like... about just your overall state, really. Oh, okay. You know? right, that's right. That's why they don't they don't ask me because they're worried. They want to know is he okay? Well, no, I think it's because people just you. know you won't respond. I respond eventually. I, I get back to text messages within at least a week most of the time. That is really good. Yes, it's a, it's a good trend. <laughs> I try to keep that. Try to keep that a real tight loop. Do you have like a good reason for why you did this? Like what what made you want to like what what was it that that one like made you make the video and two put it on the main channel as well? Like it it really is an out of character uh move like it, it like to be serious like it is a it is a strange thing to do i think well i don't know i mean again it doesn't seem out of character to me i mean okay let's compare it to every other video on the channel shall we right like it is different it's it's different in a harsh way to everything else that you produce because people learn things from your videos but like the the lesson that you were teaching in the vlog people shouldn't learn what do you mean it's a perfect no, it's a great lesson. That, that when you travel that you should keep your time zone of home like i don't that was very particular are, are you seriously gonna say that that's not a great like i think that's right. genius i think everybody it should is do a that. good idea for if you were in this very specific set of circumstances that you were in and very rarely when people travel are they in those exact mm. set of circumstances I think I think more people could get more utility out of this than than you might be expecting, Mike. All right. I, I think this is great. Okay. I think this is a fantastic idea. Have you done it since? Well, I've only done one. Uh, uh, actually, wait a second. Okay, so what I'm realizing is I have to. I just realized I have to do the mental calculation because in my mind, publishing the vlog when I did puts the actual trip in my head in the wrong timeline. <laughs> Right. I think like, oh, that trip happened much more recently than it actually did because it happened a while ago. Mm -hmm. uh, but so the answer is, yes, I have done it, but only on trips that are, are going to time zones that are very close. And this summer, six weeks, I think would have been too long to try to maintain gray master time. I think that would have been uh, a fast recipe for disaster. So I have not had a short trip to America that it would make sense to do this. Right. But I feel like there are many trips to America in which this makes total sense, that this is this is the best idea ever. Was it under very specific circumstances, right? Like, I, if you're only going for a very short period of time where you don't yeah, really need to, need to interact trip. with other humans in regular settings, this is a very abnormal trip to take. 
I don't know. It seems like a lot of my trips are like this. It seems like surely everybody right, travels this way. This is, again, like completely centered around you and your uh, intricacies as a human. Okay. But yeah, it's a great idea, and I'm glad we can both agree on that. So I, I still don't have a good answer for why you did this. Well, I guess there's two things here. One of which is, if you go back to, uh, again, some of the older videos on the CGB Grey 2 channel where I'm doing like test footage of trying to figure out some stuff for vlogs and you're seeing like little leftover bits. I'd always just kind of thought that there was some space on the channel for doing a different kind of video, something that, that wasn't animated explanation. And I, I like, I had it in my mind that doing something like a vlog and talking about stuff, like there was, there was some kind of space for this on the YouTube channel, but I could, I could never quite figure out what that was. And so there's a, there's just a bunch of like aborted attempts over the years of kind of getting an idea and shooting some test footage and then realizing, oh, that, that doesn't work. I think actually on, on this podcast, I made reference to one of these attempts where I talked about, like I bought, I did buy the Osmo because you recommended it. And I think I made a reference about like, oh, shooting some test footage for something. And it's yeah. like, that was an attempt. I, I spotted that. I figured something yeah. was going on when you bought that thing, right? Because why else would you buy a, a gimbal? Right? Exactly, right? Like if, yeah. what, what project is this for, right? It's, 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 it has a very limited number of uses. I think that's a good example of like acquiring tools over time. Each time I tried to make a run at vlogging, it didn't work for a bunch of different reasons. But this has been one of these things that has been on the back of my mind for forever. And this is one of these examples where, you know, when I make reference to side projects, this is the kind of, this is one of those kinds of things. Okay. Like I've been tinkering on something like this in, in the background. And like I said, this is maybe the fifth or sixth go at it and I feel like each time I made a go at it they didn't work at all but I kind of figured out what part of a thing worked like I'll give a perfect example there is a monument in London which is like a um it's a monument to animals in war uh, it's sort of on the side of Hyde Park and a few years ago I made an attempt of shooting a thing talking about that monument so I was trying to trying to put together like, oh, here's a thing that I can talk about something, but in sort of a more casual way, and I'll upload it to upload it to the channel. And I shot a bunch of stuff and recorded it and put it together. And when I was finished with it, I was like, oh, all I've done is I've made it like a terrible version of the Vlogbrothers thoughts from places. I was like, this is, it was like, it's so clear when I cut it together, like, oh, this is what this thing was. And so I was like, okay, I'm not going to upload this because I don't, I don't think it's very good and it's not just very good, it's also like a worse version of something else. But shooting that and getting practice for talking while I'm shooting a thing like that, it helped build towards something else. So I did this a bunch of times. Someone actually spotted in the vlog, because people are always amazed at what people are able to spot in, in videos and in vlogs. But somebody spotted that uh, in my Final Cut Pro library, 
there's another library that's called the Cardiff Log. And it's like, yes, that was another aborted attempt at like a thing that I tried to do. Uh, but they were like, oh, Car- <laughs> Cardiff Vlog confirmed. Right? And it's like, oh, no, that's just a dead project that I haven't moved. Uh, but it's like on one of the screenshots, you can see it there. But somebody was really excited about a Cardiff Vlog. Sorry, guy, it's not happening. Uh, it wasn't very good. It probably lives <laughs> in Cardiff, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> so like, the, I guess the, the most direct answer to your question is like why did this thing happen it's partly that it's just been on my mind for a long time not a high priority project by any means but something i've been thinking about and then it was also just the result of a bunch of things coming together mm-hmm. that felt like oh i've made enough goes at this that i've i've learned how to do a few things and i happen to be doing a trip that i think is interesting to other people in a particular way and like i can look at that vlog and very clearly see things from older vlogs that like i changed or adapted like last year at vidcon i was trying to shoot a bunch of stuff for i thought like oh i'll do a vlog about going to vidcon like this will be kind of interesting (laughs) no one's done one of those before yeah, well, this is it. Like, I thought I had an idea about <laughs> how to do it. And it's like, oh, this... And, and when I was there, it was so clear. Like, this is terrible. Like, this is a terrible idea. But there were a couple of things about that that I thought, like, well, this whole thing is terrible. I have an interesting idea about a way to do something. And I'll just... I'll put that in my pocket for later. So I feel like this is... This is another one of these examples where it kind of... Um, I think it kind of looks to people like it, like it's a thing that comes out of nowhere. But it's actually like everything. It's it's grown out of other stuff. Okay. I think it's for you specifically, vlogging is weird. Why? Well, because you don't show yourself, right? Like that is a thing that you have made a concerted effort over the years that you've yeah. been working, right? That you're you're quite a private person and yeah. you never show your face. Like yeah, I don't show my face in the vlog though. I know, but what I mean is the fact that you are a very private person and you don't show your face is why when people see Siege Be Grave Log, they're surprised mm-hmm. by that because those two things are pretty prevalent in vlogging. Now, again, look, of course, you can do things your own way. You did, you did a good job of how you did pieces of camera. You can see why, like, it is surprising for you to vlog because you don't like to talk about your private life and you don't like to show your face. And that's kind of like a big part of what the vlogs that people expect to see include. Yeah, I, I can I can see that. And, and this is where, from the behind the scenes stuff, like one of the rules that I had for myself about these various projects is, I don't know how to put this, but like, um, let's say like, you know, if you know a bunch of people who are vloggers, there are, there are ways that you can see that the vlog is their whole life. I had just had it in mind for this Las Vegas one in particular that I was only going to do this if I could do it in a way that doesn't interfere with any of the other stuff that I'm there for or doesn't interfere yep. with my life in any way. I am very, very conscious of this myself. Mm-hmm. Whenever I take vlog footage of a trip, like a conference, I only take what I need. Right. And... You know, a lot of times, like, people will say to me, oh, you're not vlogging this. Because, but it's like, well, yeah, but I just choose not to take video footage of all of us sitting around together. Right, like, I'm very particular when Mm -hmm. I do it of what I'm shooting because I don't intend for the vlog to be all that I do when I'm traveling. And it's not about this, like, 
be in the moment type, you know, like, you know, that whole idea of like, don't have, don't take pictures, be in the moment, which I kind of understand to a point, but that's not yeah. what I'm doing. That's not your reason. Yeah. I have a life that is not the vlog. The vlog is not that important to me that it needs to become my life. So exactly, yeah. I will just take the footage that I want and need and not film everything because I get that perfect moment. Right. I actually, I actually do feel very strongly a kind of presence focus and that that was something in particular that uh, when I mentioned like trying to film a vlog at VidCon last year, that was a thing I was hyper aware of doing wrong was a kind of thinking about everything in terms of filmability and just realizing like, wow, this makes me really unhappy immediately. <laughs> like I just I hate having this loop run in my mind, uh, which, which should have been obvious because it's like there's plenty of things I do in my life that are to increase a kind of now focus. And it's like, this is one of the reasons why I took Twitter off of my phone is because I recognized having Twitter on my phone means there's a constant demon process running in the back of my brain, which says, is there anything you could tweet right now? And, and it's like, so, like that sort of pulls you out of just being somewhere. So I feel like I'm, I am very sensitive to that. And like, that's something I learned from trying to, film a vlog like in a place where there are people and i'm doing stuff is like oh okay yeah i'm not i'm i refuse to do this because it makes my life worse it makes my life dramatically worse i found myself just naturally doing this over the last couple of years as my life Mm -hmm. has changed you know in Mm -hmm. that like the people that i'm closest to i see a handful of times a year in most cases yeah like most of my closest friends do not live in the same country as me Mm-hmm. And so when I am on these trips where we're all together, I just don't want to do anything else that's contained within the little box in my pocket, right? Like I, I've just become naturally quite good at it, like without trying because it's important to me. So you know, I, I haven't had to force myself. I can see, really see why people do. Like I can mm-hmm. totally see why like people make the effort to force themselves. But mm-hmm. when I'm on these sort of trips, like it's just not something that I want to doing or dealing with Mm -hmm. and honestly like the apple watch has been a a big help for me with that because i don't need to get my phone out of my pocket because i'm confident that everything that i need to know we pushed on my wrist oh yeah and and uh like the thing that i'm aware of in conferences is i sort of have to open up my phone more i think of it as putting the phone in conference mode and like like one of the reasons is there's a bunch of people like twitter is a uh conferencing networking kind of tool and so when i'm at a conference i'm aware like oh there's many people i follow who don't have my iMessage or phone details but who might direct message me on twitter yeah like, of course. then i'll meet up with mm-hmm. and so it's just it's a funny thing like because i the feeling that i had was when i'm at conferences i have to have more notifications on and my phone has to be more opened up than it would normally be and then adding on top of that doing something like and now i'm constantly thinking about what i'm going to film for the vlog it's like it's too much like i just it makes like i don't like having the phone even this open in the first place and then adding one more thing on top of that was just like oh i hate this uh so that's but that's partly why like when i was thinking about that las vegas trip it was a thing that was kind of like a test for myself is is there a way i can do this where i feel like there i'm never having a moment like it doesn't intrude in my mind and it doesn't intrude on the people around me in any way that I'm doing a vlog. And so like that was kind of one of the tests for me is I think I know a way I can do this, but I have to actually 
try it to see if it works. And obviously, like it did work. I wouldn't I wouldn't have done it or I would have stopped filming if I felt like, oh, this is this is impinging yeah. on my life. Mm-hmm. So it was this is what I mean, like that vlog kind of just ticks a bunch of boxes in my head that I feel like I had an idea for how a format could work for me. And I had an idea about how to like film appropriately without getting in the way of my own life. Yeah. And yeah. The the other thing is like why have I been messing around with vlogs in the background is uh if people go back and listen to a bunch of uh maybe like the last five or so episodes of Cortex, there are times in there where we're having conversations about like, oh, you need to have other creative outlets. Like when you're talking about your vlog as like an, an additional creative outlet. And I think if if someone goes back and listens to those conversations, like I think it'll be much more obvious now that's like, oh, I was clearly coming close to the end of finishing this vlog that went up because that that's another benefit of it is it is useful to make different things on occasion Uh, like if you work in a creative field this is a this is a beneficial thing intrinsically right even even if it's not going to necessarily be like a like an incredibly popular or profitable thing doing something different creatively can be beneficial in all other kinds of ways so that that's why i feel like it ticked all of these boxes for me and it so it so to me it makes perfect sense to make this vlog can we take a quick sidebar on that sure so i've been feeling this again i'm in that mode right now and i thought that making youtube videos would fill the creative gap in my life that i was mm-hmm. looking to fill Mm-hmm. It has to a point, and I feel like I'm I know where I'm going with the YouTube videos now. Like I'm trying to make like one a month, and it's about something that I really want to make a video about. So I'm not like mm-hmm. forcing the topic, so th- which keeps it good for me because like because I make yeah. a video when I have something I want to do, and if I don't yeah. have something in a month, I'm not beating myself up about the fact that I haven't done one. Yeah, that is super smart. That is a super smart way to think about it and, because and handle it. It is purely just an outlet, a different thing, trying to learn some new skills. That's why I'm doing this, but it hasn't filled the creative hole that I felt. Hmm. And I think I've gotten closer to working out what it might be, but I don't know how to get there and. Basically, I think I want to do something that isn't based in reality. Ah, okay. Everything that I do is focused on real things. Right. And I think I want to do something that is fiction-based. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the move that I'm going towards. So That's very interesting. That's I very interesting. I don't really have any idea yet. Mm-hmm. Um. But just like looking at my own tastes for things that I'm enjoying, I feel like, you know, and just thinking about me as a person, right? Like, I was one of these kids that used to write stories and, like, did when I was a teenager, right? Like, you know, I I have many beginnings of novels, right? Like, you know, like <laughs> I was one of those sorts of kids, right, that I mm-hmm. would write stories. And I think that that is where I'm leaning right now, but, like, I don't have... I don't really have anything for it. It's like I just wanted to mention it because it is a thing that I'm feeling right now and I think and I hope could become a little running trend mm-hmm. for, for for a bit of me trying to work out what that might be. But like that is where I've gotten to with my kind of like 
I feel like I have to do something new and different, and and that's mm-hmm. where I'm leaning towards right now. That's very interesting. Not that I ever expect to fill that, by the way. Yeah, no, no, I don't. I'm, I'm not like, oh, this is the announcement that in two years, Mike, the book is going to be out, right? Like, we're not, that's not the expectation. Well, and though, I mean, just that, like, if I do something that I think that it will be the magic bullet and I won't feel, and I, and I will feel creatively satisfied. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just retire. Yeah, exactly. You'll be sitting upon a lotus throne and like, oh, yes, I am now. I've reached enlightenment. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think that's the expectation. Like, with all these things, I think it's good to be aware of that. And to just have it in the back of your mind and you can just turn on it for a while. Like it's, it's, uh, that's the exact same thing with me for this vlog. It's like, I'm aware that there's a thing here. It's a background process now. Yeah. And it's like, I'm just going to turn on this and maybe it's going to take five years before something pops out. But it's yep. like, this is just running in the background as a, as a thing. And it, and I think in your position, it's also, it's very helpful to be aware of the specific nature, right? To be aware that like, oh, the vlog is not exactly hitting what you want on this and there's something else and you're able to put words to precisely what it is. Like that's yeah. very helpful. I have an Apple note where I mm-hmm. add random things to every now and then, right? Like mm-hmm. that's that's kind of where that project is in its life. And it's very like, it's, it is as likely right now that nothing will ever come of it, but it's where I'm kind of pushing towards yeah, and, and that, like, for, for anybody who has creative projects on the back of their mind, like the thing that you've just mentioned there, that process of, of collecting, I think, is super important, even if you don't specifically do anything with the items that you have collected. Uh, but this is this is where I feel like in, in many ways I'm almost a kind of digital hoarder because, I, like, I... For any of these like background processes, like I'm very aggressive about collecting thoughts and notes and links and se- and sections of other things, like anything at all, and just putting it in a bin that is the bin related to whatever this project might be. And I think that's that's a great way to make it more active in your mind, as, as opposed to like, oh, so- someday I'll write a screenplay. It's like, well actually just have just have a note called screenplay and just put whatever in there like put put lines from a movie that you like or just random thoughts that you have i think the like the act of collection is disproportionately valuable to the value of the collection itself this episode of cortex is brought to you by blue apron the number one recipe delivery service with the freshest ingredients Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone while supporting a more sustainable food system. They set the highest standards for ingredients whilst also building a community of home chefs. For less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes with fresh, high-quality ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals in 40 minutes or less. Each meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients. And by shipping just the right amount of each ingredient, that you need, Blue Apron is also reducing food waste as well. Their freshness guarantee promises that every ingredient in your delivery arrives ready to cook or they'll make it right. You can choose from a variety of new recipes every single week or let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you 
with some fantastic meals. Right now, you'll be able to cook food like creamy shrimp rolls with quick pickles and sweet potato wedges, seared chicken and creamy pasta salad with summer squash and sweet peppers, or maybe even fresh basil fettuccine pasta with sweet corn and Cuban eye pepper. There's no weekly commitment. You only get these deliveries when you want them. And you can check out this week's menu and get three meals for free with your first purchase, including free shipping, just by going to blueapron.com slash cortex. When you cook at home, you'll be able to learn some fantastic new skills that you can apply to anything that you cook. You get to keep your recipes on their great recipe cards. You can even repeat them if you want to. Maybe you're only just going to get a handful of recipes from Blue Apron every week, and then you can use your newfound skills to cook even more. But with Blue Apron, you're going to expand the knowledge that you have, as well as just making lovely food. You're going to love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals at Blue Apron. So get started today by going to blueapron.com cortex. We'd like to thank Blue Apron for their support of this show. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So going back to the topic at hand. Oh, right. Yes. If we can put on our business hats for a moment. Business hats. I think that CGP Grey is in the viral video business. Oh, is it this conversation again? Yeah. You are in the business of making videos that go viral. Like that is whether you intend to do that or not, like that's the business you're in. Now, a vlog of you going to Las Vegas is unlikely to go viral. And if we're looking at the view counts, didn't. So from a business perspective, did you achieve the goals that you intended when you made this video? Right? Like it is not a 1.7 million views video. Right, like it is a extremely respectable number, a number I would be very happy uh, to achieve. But like in the trend of your videos, it's not so much. And I wonder, kind of from a business perspective, how you feel about the performance of the vlog. Well, for, I mean, from a business perspective, this is maybe one of the worst business decisions I've made in my entire career. This is kind of what I was angling towards without saying <laughs> right. it, but yeah. <laughs> Time and money investment for this one must be a show, right? Oh, yeah. I, I, I really think this might be literally the worst thing I've ever done in terms of a pure ROI calculation. But as we have established many times, yeah. I think people have an expectation of you which is different. It's not all about the ROI, right? Yeah, it, it, it isn't. Uh, but, th- but this one is especially bad. Uh, it's especially bad. I mean, I mean, for God's sake, like, if you want to consider all of the aborted attempts before this one came up, like, let's not even <laughs> think about how many hours uh-huh. this equipment represents. And- yeah, yeah, equipment, uh, like, all of that kind of stuff. And, and then it's like, I didn't put this video up on Patreon. It didn't have an embedded sponsor at the end. Uh, so it's just like, this is this has got to be by far and away the worst the worst thing in terms of return on investment at all. However, I feel super happy about uploading this this video i was a little uncertain about how it was going to be received like it, and i did a very different thing uploading this video than i normally do when i upload videos uh which is that i actually as part of the big long travel that i was doing this summer when i arrived in america i was actually visiting my parents first so i i flew into north carolina and i had actually exported the final version of the vlog on the plane on the flight over (laughs) which really kills your battery but so i get to my parents house i connect to their wi-fi and i uploaded the final version of that vlog and then i just pressed publish 
So I told my parents, like, oh, I have something I just need to do for a few minutes. <laughs> so I uploaded it, hit publish, and I thought, great. Because what I'm locked into now is I've just arrived to visit family. It would be the rudest thing in the world to be on my computer constantly checking and seeing what's happening. So it was locking myself into not having any ability to look at their reactions or see how it was going for essentially the rest of the evening because I hadn't seen my parents for quite a while. What an interesting form of online-based torture that you performed on yourself. <laughs> I did it for the exact reverse reason because it's it's such a lock-in that it simply removes the option to even think about a thing. So right. I, I genuinely didn't even think about or worry about it because it's just like, this is not this is not going to happen. Like you're not going to uh, see your parents for the first time in many months and be sitting in front of them hitting Command R, Command R on a web page to see how the stats are doing. Like it's it's just out of the question. So I think I didn't actually look to see how anything was doing until at least six hours later, um, when my parents had gone to bed. So it's very different. Uh, because I think as you discussed on one of the much earlier podcasts, like I often like to have a little command center to see how things are going when the videos uh, go up because they're uh, infrequent enough that each one is disproportionately important. But my like my feeling was I was super happy with the results. Like I, I had mentally calculated, I thought, if I get 250,000 views on this thing mm-hmm. and I, I all I wanted was a 75% like to dislike ratio on the actual video itself, I thought that'll be a huge win. That, that was kind of my mental Oh, you did way placement. better than that, didn't you? Oh, yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, as yeah, far yeah. as I'm concerned, I was this was like incredibly successful. In, in some ways, this may be the most successful video I've ever had in relation to my feeling about uploading it, right? I see. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's like when you upload a thing that's different, I'm aware that, you know what people don't like, Mike? Change. Change. Yeah, they don't <laughs> right? like change. It's any kind of change, right? Change for the better, no good. Right? They don't like it. And, and so I, I thought, like, I could be looking at a video where people are just reflexively hitting the downvote button immediately. Like, I could be having a video where it's 50% dislikes, you know, and then, and then that becomes a thing that kind of feeds itself. So I expected a bunch of people to not like it because it was change and it was different. And I also was anticipating, I mean, one never knows the mind of the algorithm, but I, I was walking into this assuming that since this video was probably going to have a bunch of people hitting it, realizing it's something that's different and turning it off immediately, that this might get recommended to very, very few of my subscribers, that the algorithm would clock this right away as a video that just doesn't do well because mm-hmm, everybody mm-hmm. closes it at a super small proportion of the time. So I, I, that's why like, I, I was really expecting much lower and worse numbers than I got. So that's why I, I, feel, I feel thrilled. Uh, and then I add on top of that, that overall, the, the commentary was ridiculously positive. I, I think that's partly a side effect of the algorithm probably not recommending it to the less intense members of the audience. Yep. Uh, like that's my guess is that there's sort of a self-selection bias there. But I, but I feel like, great, <laughs> like, I'm perfectly happy with that, that the people who wouldn't have liked it didn't get recommended it, and the people who did like it did. That's perfect, so I feel like it's it, really? Yeah, exactly. Like, two thumbs up algorithm. Thanks, algorithm. Yeah, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. I, I feel 
ridiculously happy with the way that it went. Like it, it was succeeded beyond my wildest expectations, even though it was by far and away my worst business decision ever. So you're gonna do an, you're gonna do any more of these? Like you know, without committing yourself, like TGB Grey the vlogger is a thing that could continue. Like you, you feel from this project that like okay, I could potentially do more of these if I wanted to. Yeah. I feel like that's I, the least commitable way to try and put that. I feel like if the stars align in the right way, that this that this makes sense to do again. But there, I feel like there are a lot of stars that have to align in order for this to work out. So it's not like, oh yeah, vlogs are definitely a thing that I'm going to be actively pursuing. Like there's not, there's nothing active about this in the sure. same way that over the past many years there was nothing really active about it. But there are projects, you know, that you've begun that you did a thing for and then you killed them and then they're dead, right? Like, yeah. But this isn't one of those. It's not dead. Yeah, it's not It's not a dead thing. But but like, for example, it, when I did the uh, Amsterdam Wool conference a while back, where I was sort of uh, going back, back to back to VidCon and, and Ireland, like I was, I sort of started to film a bunch of stuff there. I thought like, oh, this might be interesting. And then like, very quickly while I was doing it, I was like, oh, this is actually not interesting at all. Like, it's super boring. Uh, and so it just stopped. But that was a thing that I was filming after I was very confident that the Las Vegas vlog was going to become a thing. I just needed to continue chipping away at it and, and editing it. So I've, I've already done some small attempts at trying to film a thing. But yeah, I, I just think it, it has to feel like it's a thing that I can film without interfering in my life yeah and that has to have some level of interestingness uh i also need to i think set expectations that that las vegas vlog will almost certainly be if i ever do another vlog the most interesting vlog by a factor of five (laughs) like just just to be real clear to set like to set the expectations for people like if another vlog comes out you should expect it to be way more boring like a regular vlog uh that like that that's one of the reasons why like this worked out as a as one in particular it's like oh it's so clear that this might be a thing that people are interested in so future vlogs way more boring that should be the expectations but yeah so i guess that's me saying i don't rule it out but it's not something i'm actively pursuing and and because it is such a terrible return on investment of my time it's also not something that could ever that could ever be any significant amount of the way that i spend my time Mm -hmm. like i i would I would literally rapidly go out of business if I spent a whole bunch of time on vlogs. Like, not as an exaggeration. Like, like Greg Industries would have to shut its door if I'm yeah. like, I'm a vlogger now. So there, there are many constraints, uh, but, you know, possibilities in the future, I guess. I look forward to our future collab. Great. It's going to be great. Back to you. Mm-hmm. Well, you can, you can keep that in your mind. You can hold on to that. Wow. It's a thing you can, you can look forward to possibly forever well you know fun fact we already have so you know what you you provided a piece of footage for my wwdc vlog oh yes that's right (laughs) that's right i forgot i forgot about that there's a little secret in there um which i didn't call out i wonder if people can work out what what piece of footage you you shot in my vlog there is a piece (laughs) of footage there's two pieces of footage in your vlog that i shot two yeah, there's two. Oh, I thought there was only one. So there you go. Well, now I need to work out what the second one was. In the Reddit, I want to know. People could try and guess what parts of my WWDC vlog did Grey shoot. 
<laughs> I don't think that counts as a collab. That was just, I was being a, a voluntary cameraman for you there. I consider it a collab. Okay, you can do that. So we've both been using iOS 11 for a couple of weeks now. Hmm. On, I'm assuming our brand new iPads. Did you buy both iPads? Did you buy one iPad? What iPad did you buy? Uh, I am currently running the iOS 11 beta on my 10.5 inch right. iPad that I picked up while I was in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not pick up a 12.9 yet because oh. I didn't feel like traveling in America with my MacBook Pro. A 12.5 inch iPad and a 12.9 inch iPad. That's too much. Uh, It's like, I thought about it. Don't get me wrong. Like it crossed my mind. And I was like, well, I will save a lot of money if I I buy it in America. Uh, But ultimately travel packing convenience trumps everything. So uh, I have not used iOS 11 on the big iPad. I've been using it exclusively on the 10.5 inch. And I have been using the 10.5 as my exclusive iPad while traveling for, I guess, close to five weeks? Uh, or no, close to four weeks. That's what it is. Yeah. So I've been using it for quite a while. That's that's my situation here. That's a, It's a pretty great iPad, right? That 10.5? It is pretty good. It's, pr- it's close to perfect. It's close. It's, it didn't yeah. make it, but it's close. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is a bit how I feel. I, re- I really like it. It's a great machine, but it does just fall short of the mark in a, in a variety of ways for me to possibly replace the 12.9. But it is a machine that I could recommend to anybody. Like, I think, I think it's just like if, if, if I didn't know anything about someone, they said, I need to buy an iPad, which iPad should I buy? The answer is 10.5 inch iPad Pro. Yeah, there's no zero question. It's so much better than one inch bigger, right? Like than than the one that came that came before it. Like that extra inch goes a long way. Like yeah. the the screen feels fantastic. You know how much of the screen ratio there is to the body is is brilliant. There's just like you know if you're coming from the twelve point nine, it's hard to lose the the resolution, right? Like it's hard to lose the two full size apps next to each other that you get from the big one. But if yeah. you're coming from anything else, like you would have to make a real strong case to me for me to recommend 12.9 to you instead of the 10.5. Yeah, you need a good reason to use that one. It's wonderful. Yeah, the thing the thing that I, I miss the most is the larger screen simply for uh, the kind of thing that I mentioned before. Like when I'm thinking about stuff, I like to have a, like a big piece of virtual paper in front of me uh-huh. to draw on and, and make notes and think about stuff. And I was aware this summer there were a bunch of times where I was like, oh, I'm in a thinking kind of mood. Let me sit down. And the 12... The, the 105 I just felt like I feel a little cramped on this screen so I'll be very happy to get the full sized one but the the 105 is is a great machine and if I have to do traveling in the future where I need to bring my MacBook Pro I will always bring then the 105 as the companion iPad with it and if I'm yep. ever able to travel without the MacBook Pro then it'll just be the 129 only like that's that's what I can see is the current travel configuration going yep. forward yeah because because i will be taking my my macbook with me to on my trip in august i'm going to be right, taking yes. the 10.5 as my usual work machine yeah They're, it's, it's a really great pairing <laughs> no, i really like it fantastic beautiful thing let me tell you though that 12.9 the screen yeah oh, great oh, it's real <laughs> good man with the true tone the true tone on this uh, screen that size Everything is so wonderful, and just 
the the you know the 120 hertz stuff the promotion on that yeah. big screen oh boy it's it's wonderful it is an absolutely fantastic upgrade if you're coming from the 12.9 like it is a mm-hmm. really fantastic computer i look forward to it although you forget that i am the only person in the world who despises true tone uh <laughs> so I, oh, yeah, I forget that about you it gives me it gives me a headache and i hate it uh, I, don't, so I, I don't understand how that's possible, but you know, I also know people that the 120 hertz makes them feel nauseous. So you know, yeah. people's brains and eyes are wired in completely different ways. Yeah, yeah. I was I was very worried about that. Uh, I was super concerned. And one of the first things I did actually when I got the new iPad was I tested out that accessibility setting where it can turn it where it can crank it back down to 60 frames a second. I turned that on and I immediately opened up Good Notes because I wanted to see does that affect the pen latency. And I was like, okay, great. It doesn't affect the pen latency at all if you turn on that accessibility setting. So I felt like I have a safe fallback in case the 120 hertz does bother me. But I I feel it still looks a little weird. Like I'm still taking a a little bit of getting used to it. But I'm not not in the place where that bothers me. Uh, But True Tone does give me a headache because I know my brain is trying to color correct back the way computer screens look from a lifetime of looking at computer screens yeah yeah and it just it makes me exhausted to look at the color corrected screen it really does so i I have to turn that off (laughs) that is interesting because it's one of the things that i love the most like the way it makes the colors look oh i know like everybody everybody loves it everybody uh i've set up with ipads it's like i turn that on for them and and they're like you'll like this thing you won't even notice so yeah everybody loves it i'm the the only person i have ever come across Mm -hmm. who just cannot have it on. So thank you, Apple, for having an option to turn it off. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it it also has just other benefits. You know, it has wider color and stuff like that. So the screen really is just wonderful. It's wonderful. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Squarespace. Enter offer code Cortex at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea. Maybe you want to create an online store. Maybe you want to create a portfolio or a blog. Maybe you just want a single page to show off all of the photos from your most recent summer travel. Whatever you want to do, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that makes it easy. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. Speaking as someone who used to run a server before he switched over to Squarespace, uh, that's a huge pain in the butt that I'm very, very happy to never have to deal with. And you won't either. Squarespace has got you covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. And if you aren't a designer, no worries. They have award-winning templates that you can use and tweak to show off your great ideas. I use Squarespace for all of my websites, and I really think that you should too. They're just fantastic. Squarespace plans start at $12 a month, but you can begin a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. They let you build your site before you have to enter in your credit card details. It's really great so you can see how it works before you have to commit. Then when you decide to sign up with Squarespace, which you totally will because they're great, use offer code CORTEX to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for this show. And thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. But this isn't the only thing, right? I think iOS 11 is the the bigger of the two shoes to drop. Mm. 
it's very very different i mean we've both been using it for quite a few weeks now i i have it on both of my ipads now because once i moved to 11 on one i i had to move to 11 on the other like i i i couldn't completely focus on the way that things have changed if i was 50 percent of the time using something that was not changed you know like it was it was breaking me a bit there is what i think of as beta creep that if you put the beta on one device it slowly yeah. creeps to the other devices but but this one has the strongest beta creep if you are living the multi-pad lifestyle that if, if you put if you're going to put it on one ipad don't kid yourself it has to go on all of them like there's no there's no ver because the muscle memory is just too different uh it, it's so different you cannot possibly be running two ipads uh one with ios 10 and one with ios 11 like it, it will destroy your brain uh, so yeah, you have to put it on. You have to put on everything if you're gonna if you're gonna play the dangerous beta game. What is your overall thought about iOS 11 on the iPad? I mean, we can get into some specifics if you want to, but overall, how do you feel about this version of the operating system on the device that you use? Are you happy for the change? Are you unhappy? Like, what is your overall feeling? I mean, yeah, overall, I'd have to give it a thumbs up. I know, like, I'm, I, I, uh, I feel pretty good about it there are things obviously uh that i would like change there's something that i particularly i've got a i've got a sales pitch for apple later on something i think they should add good that always goes well <laughs> yeah uh, well it did go it did go well last time That's actually my point. so <laughs> we have a 100 percent success rate on that yeah and I, I, <laughs> oh god now you're gonna break the streak but no overall i have to give it a i have to give it a thumbs up there's a, there's a lot to like about it there's a lot of of additional power that's coming with it there's a lot of nice features there's a lot of stuff we haven't even got yet right like that's one thing to really consider you know the, yeah. the full power of drag and drop and and the files app we won't realize until until september yeah so i i've got to say my my overall impression is a is a thumbs up i know i, I presume that you feel the same way oh i'm know. incredibly enthused about this Mm-hmm. Um, this really is the version of iOS that I have wanted for my iPad for nearly three years. Like this is mm-hmm. exactly what I wanted. Um, mm-hmm. It is. It has its foibles. It's, it's not perfect, but I wasn't expecting that. Um, mm-hmm. Personally, I, you know, it, the, the biggest criticism is that it is more complicated. But I, mm-hmm. I don't really understand why that should be a problem for professional users because that's who this is aimed for. Professional operating systems are complicated. Um, and all we need to do, in my opinion, is just learn the way to use it in the same way that we learned the to to use the weird app picker. Yeah, well, there, there's and also I'll throw something else in there because uh, I think I mentioned a couple of shows ago that I, I moved my my very non-technical aunt over to an iPad Pro uh, when it first came out. And she was thrilled with that device. And I was thinking about her as I was using the beta just thinking like, oh, here, 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 there's going to be a software update. And I actually think they've done a really good job with, while they have added a ton of stuff, I just kept thinking from my aunt's perspective, actually very little will change. She wouldn't even know. Yeah, like she'll, she'll never mm-hmm. know that a whole bunch of this stuff is here. And importantly, the thing that she does, which is double tap the home button to change apps, like the only thing that's happened there is she'll just be able to see more apps on the screen at once because it's just in a yep. grid now instead of in a big sheet with more visual information to what you're actually yeah. going to be picking. So I, I, I have to I have to give them I have to give Apple credit because I do think the iPad is a product where they they have this problem where there are 
there are going to be a disproportionate number of very non-tech savvy users and, and also just like users who are young children, like you know, parents giving their kids an iPad. And while they have added a whole bunch of stuff for the more professional end of the spectrum, they have they have successfully, in my view, re- retained a lot of the simplicity of when you just press the home button twice, like you've always done, it's still the same. It just looks a little bit different, but you you know you might not even notice. So like I have to give them real credit for that because I think it's it is more complex, but for the vast majority of users, it it won't matter and it won't affect them in any way. So how do you feel then, like in using this from a more kind of like going through all the different changes? You know, how do you feel about the dock and multitasking and all of the changes that have come with it? How how do you feel about kind of the real rethink, I think, that Apple have gone through for how we should be using our apps on our iPads? So, again, overall, big thumbs up. I like a lot of the stuff that they have done. Uh, I love the ability to now have the smaller app on the opposite side. It's nice to be able to have a way to sort of use three apps at once where you can have two on split screen and, and pull another one out from a little drawer. Like that's that's very nice. I think the dock is actually a, a, a really great improvement. I think it's super intuitive and I think it's it's a great move that they have made the same gesture to pull up the dock also be a gesture to get to control center and to slide into the uh, app switching view. Like I think that's a very natural gesture that has a lot of power. Uh, so I, I think all of that stuff is great. If we if we get to the section of, of things that I'm concerned about though, I will say the, there's, there's one main concern and one main request is, is how I'll, I'll phrase my thoughts on, on iOS 11. And my main concern is how they have implemented the idea that apps pair together. I was thinking about this earlier today. And as far as I know, the first person I ever heard mention this idea of pairing apps together was Jason Snell, probably on Upgrade, talking to you. I remember hearing Jason a long time ago talk about the idea of buddy apps, that that he he wishes he could specify that two apps should be buddies that this would be a, a good way to handle some stuff on the iPad. And I remember hearing him talk about that and thought like, yeah, oh yeah, that's a great idea. But what I kind of feel has happened is it's like Apple is a genie who heard that wish. And you know that, that genies, they always grant your wish, but in a way that you wish they hadn't. Uh, they grant it incredibly literally. Yeah. And, and so I feel like the Apple genie granted the wish and said... All apps are buddies, right? Every app will have buddies, all of them. And it's a bit like, no, I don't think that's what Jason was asking for. I don't think that's what anybody was asking for. So there's this, this really, really fundamental assumption in the, like, I don't even know what to call it, but in like the metaphor of how apps are arranged or the, like the metaphor of how you're moving through this iOS space and this really fundamental assumption is that there are stable pairs of apps that will just always go together. And in, in my several weeks of 
using iOS, I, I have just found that to be a totally invalid assumption that in, in my own workflow and the way that I use apps, there are, there's no pair that has become a stable pair in this, in this arrangement. It's like everything is constructed on the fly as a pair, or I want to switch between a few different things. And so th this ground level assumption that an app exists as a pair with one and only one other app is concerning to me because it just, it seems like it's such an, like, it's just built that way. Like, oh, of course, this is a stable arrangement for iPad users. And maybe I'm an outlier here, but I I just don't find that to be the case. And I'm I'm kind of I'm very curious to know in your time using it, have you found that there are stable app pairs that you just leave alone that you don't break apart and and you switch back to? No, but I don't think of it the same way that you are. Okay, tell me how you're thinking about it. I consider it as a state saving thing. Mm -hmm. So, and also, I don't believe that even Apple are considering this from the perspective of like you have these two apps that will always remain locked together. Mm -hmm. I think it's just purely you. I have been using these applications side by side. So, when I switch out to something else and come back, they should remain until I break it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's kind of my, well, the way that I've been thinking about this is like these applications, they are paired, they are buddies until I break the pairing. And if I come back to an application later on and it's in its pair, it doesn't bother me. I just close the other application, which is very simple to do, just by dragging the little divider, or I bring in a new app to pair with that application. You know, I also have wanted the pairs thing for a while in the idea that like I could hit an icon and it would launch two apps at the same time. Right. The pairing that we have isn't that, but I'm also perfectly fine with it. It's, I've had to change some of my workflows, right? Like I got really used to command tab switching out one application, which it doesn't do anymore. It kind of just switches the entire thing. It will move you to another space or another pair or another full app. Mm -hmm. But I've just changed my workflow. And the fact that I can have three apps on screen at the same time makes it work perfectly fine in most instances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like it's just different, but it's not different in a way that I've not been able to become accustomed to. And the the pairing of applications... It's fine for me. Like honestly, I don't think I want to be able to pair Google Docs with six different other apps. Like I want honestly just to have the flexibility to move them around at my will. The idea of having these multiple instances pairings, I think honestly would get really messy really fast and quite quickly there would be certain applications that would have a pairing instance with almost every other app that I use, which I don't think will work out to be something that I can keep track of in my head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be asking for that either. I, I think that's that's another like way the genie could grant the wish, which is like not what anybody like. Oh, I don't I don't want to have notes paired with every single other app on my iPad, right? Like because it's like that's what would obviously happen over time. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not asking I'm not asking for that. the The reason the reason why I say it feels like there's an expectation that they're stable is connected to the the thing that I would sort of request here is that again I think they have done a great job with the visual drag and drop from 
the dock, like the, the way that you can add another app to be the thing on the side. Uh, and again, I'll use, an, use another example of a, of a family member. So I was showing my mom the iOS 11 beta while I was there over the summer. And my mom is about as pro of a user as you can get without being an actual professional on the iPad. Like she's, she's very good. And it was just interesting to see that she immediately got it. Right? They, like, yes, because they've done it in this visual way, like you pull up the dock and you, you take the icon that you want and you put it where you want and you let go. It's like, great. My favorite thing is how it fades out the area that it's going to go to. Yeah. It squeezes in the entire screen if you're going to the edge. Yeah. It fades out the previous app when you hover over it. I think that's all done so beautifully well. Yeah, they've, they've done a great job of making it visually clear what are you doing, right? And, and to a user who is now at the level where they will discover or find out or want to use the multitasking, again, great. I think that's a much better solution for most people than the old version of swipe in from the side and then swipe down from the top. It's just like, no, look, look at the thing you want to do and just do the most sensible thing if they were physical objects, right? That's, that's what you're doing. So I think that's very good. But the thing, the thing for me that I find is if you're very intensely using the iPad with a bunch of different apps, I find that I am constantly breaking apart and reassembling these pairs and when you do that it's a lot of steps actually to do and i find the process clunky so there's there's no way to do it quickly and that's why to me i have this feeling like these things are buddies and they're not expecting you to be very rapidly say having mail on one side and three or four other little apps that you're working with on the other side. Like it's, it's clearly not designed with that idea in mind that there's like one main thing that you're using and you want to keep that on screen. And there's other things on the side that you want to keep swapping in because I find it clunky. And part of the reason is because there is this state change between if you're using the external keyboard, you have your hands on the keyboard and then you have to reach on the screen and then it's hands back on the keyboard. It, it's not quick to do and and that's why i'm like i'm just a little bit concerned about this idea that there are these this state savingness because i feel like i'm constantly undoing that like i'm undoing the previous state things we're in just constantly and it's a bunch of steps like it's you know the fastest way to do it if there's not an app that's already on your dock is actually a bunch of steps like it's command space to bring up spotlight you start typing in the words to try to find the actual app you then put your finger on the result but you have to wait a second for it to pop so this is now we've introduced a time delay that's part of the long tap which which brings it under your finger as opposed to just opening that app straight away and then on on that on the spotlight screen you drag it to where you want it to go but again you have to wait to watch the background pop either in the way you want it to go in or show that it's going to hover you know you can let go and then you have to dismiss spotlight it's like it's sort of seven taps and hands on and off the keyboard and two periods of waiting to swap out an app and i just i think that is for for an, for an action that may be performed a hundred times a day, I think it's far too long. Like I I think it's too many 
steps. And while dragging from the dock and placing is is great for, I guess what we call like the the low end pros, I don't think it's a good solution for someone who is replacing their laptop with an iPad. I think it's just too many steps to do a thing that you're going to want to do a whole bunch of times. I hear your complaint. <laughs> do you feel my pain, Mike? <laughs> yeah, but I don't agree with the idea of changing it. I think trying to implement a way to do this with like an app changing over or keyboard shortcuts being able to change the stuff would add an additional layer of complexity, which is stronger than the one we currently have. Like, how do you define where the app goes? Because I would be very confident in the fact that now you can move things where you want to put them. You would want to be able to define where the app is going to be. And Mm -hmm. trying to do all of that from the keyboard over time would become quite complex, right? Like if I can swap my apps left and right, hitting command tab, changing one of them might not necessarily change the one that I want it to change. So then I have to perform some of our action to make sure that it's going to be in the place that I want. That's all going to be tricky. And I understand the idea of like, you need to bring up spotlight and hold and drag, but I think it is more, it honestly is a more elegant solution than anything else that I've tried before to attempt to do what this is trying to do. Yeah, elegant, yes, because it's all visual. Like, I I will totally grant that. But quick, it is not. So I've been thinking about this a whole bunch because here's, here's one thing. It's like, okay, we're in beta season now. And... I often think people people sometimes think like there's going to be major changes in betas. But in my experience, Apple's just refining stuff. Yeah, especially at the point that we are right now. Yeah. It's very unlikely that they're going to make any significant change. Yeah, I don't think there's... And, and the thing is, with all of the betas, there have very rarely been actual significant changes. Like, they're looking for bugs. You know, they might adjust some minor things. Like, they change some of the behavior with their bizarrely confusing uh, notification screen. It's like... But it's very minor stuff. So... I've been thinking about this a lot, about what is a suggestion that I could make that I think would solve the problem that is also within the universe of possibility of, a, of the kind of thing Apple might add into an actual beta. So, Because it's like, I'm not asking for a big rewrite of this thing. Again, I think this whole multitasking paradigm is overall a a great solution that's hitting a lot of different people on a lot of different levels, which is very hard to do. So I'm not not coming along and saying like, oh, you should totally abolish this foundational analogy of state saving or buddies, right? Like I'm not even remotely suggesting that because I don't even think that would necessarily be a good idea. Here was just my, my only thought for what I've been thinking of as like a search and swap, right? Because it was like, we have drag and drop. This This is great. Like we need a search and swap for professionals. So here is my proposal, which has the minimum number of changes that still achieves the goal of how do you get an application that is not on your dock on screen as fast as possible just for professionals who would look for this thing, not expected to be used by normal users. My suggestion is when you pull up Spotlight and you search for an app and you have that app selected with the little highlight bar that you can pull down, I think at this very moment, all I would ask for is a keyboard shortcut. Command left arrow puts that highlighted app on the left side of the screen. Command right arrow puts that app on the right side of the screen. Mm -hmm. Command 
up puts it in the floating position on the screen. That's what I think is the minimum way to do this successfully in a way that is actually achievable in the current beta state. That would be pretty perfect. Like, I would be really happy with that. Yeah, it allows you to swap out either side. I think it's a pretty understandable keyboard command. And you don't have to take your hands off the keyboard to put an app anywhere on the screen. So that's that's my pitch to Apple. If, if you want to do some kind of search and swap, I think a keyboard command in the spotlight interface that already exists to just move the app to the left, the right, or the top of the screen, I think that that would be like a perfect search and swap that is implementable in a beta period with the minimum amount of having to rewrite anything. I fully endorse this message. Oh, thank you. This is really good. This is really good. I thought you were going to push back on this one. No, no, because this is super low friction. It's not changing anything. It's keeping what I think is actually a really good system in place. Yeah. But it's just adding just one little extra thing that most people would never even notice. Uh, Like, for example, you know, the way that you do the drag and drop out of Spotlight, that's already a super pro move. Oh my God, I would never know that had existed if Tichi hadn't told me about it. Yeah, it's, a, it's great. It works perfectly. It's a good pro move. Like, I like that. But the idea to be able to just simply do it with these, these like, three sets of keyboard commands that I came to myself as you started describing it, right? Like, they were so obvious what they would be, right? Mm-hmm. Like, left, right. And I didn't think of up, but I was thinking of left, right. Mm-hmm. They, I really, really think that this would be good and wouldn't break anything. It would keep everything just as it is. I'm trying to think of like what what could reasonably occur. And I think that would remove almost all of the feeling of clunkiness, constantly switching over apps on, on one side of the screen or the other side of the screen. So I have one question for you, Gray. Yep. Did you file a radar? Uh, <laughs> I have filed many radars. Good man. Look at you. I, I think that that's, that's... I have filed radars on behalf of other people who are not running the iOS beta because <laughs> um, I feel like, oh, if that's a thing that you want, like, put it in. But I uh, I have to say most of the radars that I file are are not... They're not things that I necessarily realistically expect Apple to do. Uh, like, they're, they're things that I would hope for, but I would not be expecting. For anybody that doesn't know, radar is the name of Apple's bug reporting system. Yeah, but this is perhaps the only thing I, I, I can think of that is a change I could, if not realistically, I think I could optimistically hope Apple might actually do. Uh, so yes, I'll uh, after the show is over, I will officially then go file a radar with this suggestion. I like it a lot. I think it's, I think it would really help, and it wouldn't be too breaking of everything that they've done. So thumbs up from me. Unfortunately, I have absolutely no way <laughs> of helping you. Are you the chief radar? <laughs> No. <laughs> Funnily enough. No, can't help you, but I can endorse it for anything that that means. 